Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This hour is brought to you by Unified Office and their revenue-producing restaurant, Phone Technology. JT hold it down for the Buffaloes. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, to be honest, uh, I'm more important for us to continue to win games and get ready for the playoffs. Obviously, I think I deserve it. But, you know, it's life. It is what it is. It ain't going to stop me. It ain't going to stop my work ethic. It ain't going to stop my platform. So, in reality, not that important. All right, I'll tell you who's happy that Jalen Brown didn't make the All-Star game. Brad Stevens. Because, now, I'm sure on a personal level. He would like Jalen to make the All-Star game. But on a professional level, let's say it's the Celtics, a little under $2 million because he doesn't get that All-Star bonus. But if Jalen Brown's not going to make the All-Star game, I'm all for him having like 29 and 31-point games like he's had previously, especially after you get replacements into the All-Star game. I'm cool with that if Jalen Brown doesn't make the All-Star team. But in all reality, he's one of the best 12 players in the Eastern Conference or whatever it was, the final number. He should be in the game. But I feel like, okay, partly what happens here is when the voting comes out, it's when the Celtics are fluttering around 500, right? So that's when the voting comes out and the coaches vote. But then after you have these replacements, when guys cannot play in the All-Star game, the Kevin Durant's, the Zach Levine's of the world, that's where I think they just go down the list, right? Now, I don't know this for a fact, but I think they just go down the list from where it was at the point they originally voted when the reality is Jalen Brown's been playing really well as of late, so you should alter your decision-making process as it pertains to that. And quite frankly... Jalen Brown is a way more entertaining guy in an all-star game than Jarrett Allen. Jarrett Allen, I'm not saying he's not a good player. He is. I mean, but he's a rim protector and he's a roller that dunks. Jalen Brown, I know we got into this last night, but he's one of the premier wing players in the league from an athleticism standpoint. He's a much better guy to play in an all-star game. And I do feel like this is an all-star game. It's an exhibition. You want to get the guys who are going to be the most entertaining on the court. So I do believe that Jalen belongs in the game. I'm not going to, I'm not pissed about it or anything along those lines. I, I would be pissed, quite frankly, if I'm Jalen, because I lost a lot of money as it pertains to that. But heck, he doesn't have to go to a cold environment like Cleveland. He can go home to where he grew up, like right outside, I believe, the Atlanta area is where he's from in Georgia. So he can go there or he can go on a vacation or something. So maybe he'll make use of it. But I do want to get to this real quickly with the Celtics. And just one carryover thought from last night's game. So actually, I have two carryover thoughts, but let me get to the first one. So the Celtics in last night's game, they shot 54.5% from the floor, which is good, right? The Pistons shot 42.6%. The Celtics' effective field goal percentage was 63, which is really good. You shouldn't lose a game when your effective field goal percentage is 
the Pistons' effective field goal percentage was 54.8%. Good, but not 63%. Here's the problem. The Pistons took 16 more shots than the Celtics last night. 93 attempts. If you juxtapose that with the Celtics, it was 77. So it was a horrible rebounding night. And I understand that your best rebounder, Robert Williams, was not playing in that game. But still, it, it can't be that in terms of the margin. You can't have a team take 16 more shots than you because you can't rebound. So if you look at what happened on the boards, the Pistons posted a 37.3% offensive rebounding rate last night. So if you're not familiar with that, let me put this into context. Memphis leads the NBA with a 33.7% offensive rebounding rate. 33.7, they lead the NBA. The Pistons were at 37.3% last night. So 4%, almost 4% better, I should say, like 3.5% better than what the best team is doing on a nightly basis. The Pistons, by the way, they have not been a good offensive rebounding team all season long. Detroit is at 27% on the season, which is 16th in the league. So they're about average in terms of their offensive rebounding ability, if you will. Yet last night, they were better than the best team in the league. The Celtics, by the way, 62.7% defensive rebounding rate. The Timberwolves are last in the league at 70.3%. So the Celtics were about... 8% worse than the worst defensive rebounding team of the NBA. So even with a team like Detroit who blows, they suck. They're trying to lose games, although their players aren't. Their organization is trying to lose games. You can't give that type of team, any team, that many chances. And it took, essentially, you having one of the worst rebounding performances that we've seen from the team this year, Detroit having their best rebounding performance, for you to lose that game. That's something that cannot happen again. And I understand that your best rebounders out and all that, but it's not like you were playing Milwaukee. You were playing, or Memphis, the team that is the best offensive rebounding team in the league. That'd be a better way to put it, right? You weren't playing Memphis. You were playing the sorry Detroit Pistons. And you gave them hope. You can't give an underdog like that hope. But I did want to get into one of the issues that may be something to monitor long-term with the Celtics team. And that's it. That's them in these close games. And look, I thought maybe because they started to turn it around, they've been playing really well. They went 11 and two in their final 13 games. But I thought, well, maybe they've figured out this situation at the end of games where they can finish teams off now. Because remember, that was an issue at the beginning of the season where the Celtics just were not finishing teams off and they struggled in the fourth quarter. And so if you look at the Celtics in these close games, so in clutch games, which means. In the final five minutes, if the game is within five points, right? You look at the top eight teams in the Eastern Conference right now in the standings, and it could change by the end tonight, depending on how this shook up. But I did this earlier today when no games have been played yet. The Bulls on the season are 20 and 11 in clutch games. They have a 121.2 offensive rating and a 100.5 defensive rating. That's a plus 20.7 net rating. The Bulls right now, they struggle defensively throughout the game. They're 21st in defense on the season, but they've been really good in these clutch situations because DeMar DeRozan has been outstanding. 54.1% from the field, an effective field goal percentage of 55.7. It's not going to change much with him because the effective field goal percentage, of course, accounts for three-pointers. He doesn't take any threes. But the point being, he's been really good in the clutch. And the Bulls, the Celtics have a better net rating than them on the season But the reason that the Bulls are number one in the standings in the Eastern Conference is they're winning these close games. How about Miami? Miami is 16-11 and in clutch games this season. That's the team that entered the night number two in the Eastern Conference. 
The Milwaukee Bucks, 15 and 14. So actually, they should be better than that. Their net rating is 13. Somehow they're just 15 and 14 in clutch games. And actually, no, they're about to be. They end up losing that game. They could have. They may be now down to 15 and 15 because they were just playing the Philadelphia 76ers. It was a three point game late. So they may be 15 and 15 now. The Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that's been one of the surprises so far in the NBA. Yeah. They did end up losing that game. So now Milwaukee is 15 and 15. The Cavaliers are 15 and 16. So not great for them, but 15 and 16. All right. Respectable, I guess, because you're going to have some shooting luck in these games. Philly is now 16, or Philly now after tonight is 17 and 15, which, okay, they're pretty good, not great. The Raptors, who are a game or are a spot behind the Celtics in the standings, they're 17 and 14 in clutch games. 7.4 7.4 net rating, by the way. Nick Nurse is an incredible coach. That's part of the reason there. The Nets are 17 and 13. They're currently eighth in the Eastern Conference. The Celtics, who are currently sixth in the Eastern Conference, want to take a guess at what their record is in clutch time? 11 and 18. This is the reason the Celtics are sixth in the Eastern Conference and not first, second, or third in the Eastern Conference is because in these close games, like we saw last night against the sorry Detroit team, they're not getting it done. They're not coming through. So if you look at the Celtics, they have a 101.1 offensive rating in clutch time. That is horrible. They have a 108.1 defensive rating, minus 7.1. And some of these trends are just concerning because if you look at the Celtics on the season and you juxtapose their numbers for what they're doing in these close games, it's alarming. The Celtics on the season, they have a 104.9 defensive rating. That's second in the NBA. But as we alluded to in clutch time, the game within five points in the final five minutes, they're at 108.1. That's 14th in clutch time. So you're talking about a 3.2 dip off in their defense when it comes down the stretch. So they're missing shots, and we've seen that in clutch time. But we don't really talk about their defense in clutch time. It's not nearly as good. All right, you look at their offensive rating. I told you it's 101 in clutch time. That's 23rd in the NBA. Their offensive rating in totality this year is 110.3. That's 18th. So their offense, 9.3 point difference in clutch time. How about their net rating? Minus 7.1 is 22nd in the NBA in clutch time. On the season, they have a 5.4 net rating. So that's a 12.5 point dip off. That's how bad they are in clutch time compared to throughout the rest of the game. Their effective field goal percentage drops down significantly. They go from 41.3% from the field in clutch time. That's 20th in the NBA. They're 45.3% from the season on the season. That's 20th. So not great, but you're talking about a 4% dip off from being not great to being atrocious. From three-point territory, final five minutes, game within five points. They're shooting just 28.4% from deep. That's 20th in the league. During the rest of the game, they're shooting 34.4%. That's 21st. You're talking about a 6% dip off. How about the assist rate? This is a big number. So in clutch time, they have just a 49.5% assist rate. That's 21st in the NBA. And during the rest of the game, 59.5%. That's 16th, so not great. But that's a 10% dip off. And you start to wonder, okay, well, what's the issue at the end of these games? Well, the issue is Jason Tatum, the closer, Hasn't been there yet for you, right? So if you look at Jason Tatum in terms of his numbers at the end of these games, it's concerning. So as we saw last night, Tatum missed a late three that would have put the game away, and then they dropped the final play for him. Now, 
I know Ime Adoka said after the game he would have liked to see Tatum just get to the cup in that situation. I would have, based on the way that he was shooting the ball, he was, what, 0 of 2 from mid-range, 2 of 6 from above the break threes, 2 of 6 on threes in general, 0 of 2 from mid-range, and every time he got to the cup, it felt like he was scoring in that game. 2 for 2, I believe, in the restricted area. So when you look at that, it does make sense that Ime Adoka would like him to get downhill more. I didn't have an issue with the play he drew up. It's give your best player the ball at the nail, but he has a chance to win the game late last night. He misses the shot. And this has sort of been a theme with Tatum this season. So in clutch time, final five minutes of the game, the game within five points, Tatum is shooting just 35.3% from the field and 36.8 in terms of his effective field goal percentage. He's shooting 8.7% from three-point territory. That's alarming, right? So if you look at some of the other teams, the leading scorers from some of these other teams in the East, we mentioned DeRozan's at 54.1% in clutch time. Giannis is shooting 60% in clutch time. Joel Embiid is shooting 50% in clutch time. Now, actually, Durant's numbers are not great. He's shooting just 41.9% in clutch time. But you look at some of the other teams struggling, like in clutch time, the Cavaliers, Garland, who's their leading scorer, is at just 28.6%, so it makes sense. They have not been great in clutch games. And the Raptors, Siakam, not great, 41.9%. Van Vliet is good, but 43.5% in terms of his effective field goal percentage. So one of the things is, I believe in the Celtics team right now, they're too good defensively with the way they've been playing to have this dip off defensively at the end of games. And secondarily, offensively, I don't think there's anything that I look at in Jason Tatum's game that says he shouldn't be good in the final five minutes. He has all the necessary skill set in terms of he's really improved as a passer as of late. We know he can get to the bucket when he needs to. We know I know the numbers are down this season, but we know he can hit shots from the mid range from flow to range. We know all that. Right. And we know he can get to the basket. So I believe, and his handle is much improved since he came into the NBA. So I do truly believe that Jason Tatum can be better in clutch time. But I do feel like post-All-Star break, this is going to be something that I continue to monitor just to figure out, okay, well, does he turn into that closer? Because it's a different scenario at the end of these games where the defense, they're paying a little bit more attention to these close games than they were for the majority of the game, right? They've dialed it up defensively. Tatum down the stretch of the year has got to prove he can do it because this is what you're going to need to do in the postseason, right? Because in the postseason, you play a lot of these clutch games and you're going to need your best player to come through. So heading into the playoffs after this, it's not the halfway point. The Celtics played 55 games, right? And this final stretch run, if you will, for the Celtics here after they after Tatum comes back from Cleveland, I want to see some of these games that are close just for my own good, I want to see them win some of these close games and Tatum perform at a high level. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. All right, a couple of ideas I have in terms of how the Celtics can improve as we're entering the buyout market. We'll get into that. And one really positive thing with the Celtics as we get ready for the stretch run, the number 617-779-7937. Brian Barrett with you here on EI. The home for Sox fans. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, trending now on WEI and WEI.com. The Bees fell to the Islanders tonight, 4-1. to one. Taylor Hall, the lone goal scorer for the Bees in the loss, his 11th on the season. They'll head to Ottawa for a date with the Senators on Saturday night. Today's meetings between Major League Baseball and the Players Union lasted 15 minutes. ESPN's Jeff Passan, though, reporting some good news. He says the league and the union intend to hold multiple bargaining sessions perhaps every day as early as Monday. We need a season. Let's go. 
The Packers are doing everything they can to keep Aaron Rodgers. ESPN reporting Green Bay is hiring Tom Clements as the team's quarterbacks coach. Clements was with the Packers from 06 through 16, and he's a favorite of Rodgers. So it looks like Rodgers, I believe he's going to stay put in Green Bay. I don't know what this guy thinks he's going to find elsewhere. you got a loaded team right now. Own some of that. Have some accountability. You sucked in the playoffs, bottom line. The season on the All-Star break after that 112-111 loss to the Pistons on Wednesday. We're just talking about it. The Green will visit the Nets on Thursday the 24th. Jason Tatum, he's headed to Cleveland. He'll be playing for Team Durant Sunday night in the All-Star game. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Decent. We had some options there. If they switched to get a handoff, we wanted to get downhill a little bit there. But, I mean, you got a clean look. Um, you know, missed some easy ones tonight and settled at times I think we all did and didn't really play through the physicality or when we did play in the crowd, could have got off it a little bit, but uh, not not the worst look, obviously, but we would like to get downhill. All right, so that was Ime Adoka after the game last night and that final shot from Jason Tatum. As I alluded to, I don't have an issue with the play. Just give it to your best player. They tried to drop a play, the previous play for Jalen Brown, which I actually thought, that Ime Adoka did a good job. They got Jalen Brown on the move, which is what you want to do, and he's flying downhill, but two defenders converge. Jalen's got to be better there and give the ball up. And actually, Jalen, in terms of clutch situations, has been decent this season compared to Tatum. I mean, not that he's been outstanding, but he's been significantly better than Tatum. Tatum has an effective field goal percentage of 36.8. Jalen's at 50%. So he's been more productive than Tatum has been at the end of these games, but it's not like Jalen's been great either and last night I felt like that was a poor decision by Jalen I don't know what he's trying to do there going in to two bodies got to kick the ball out and try to do something else there then I, he had no chance of that shot going in I mean he's backing up and two guys are over him I don't know what the hell he was thinking on that particular play but I do like the fact that it feels like to me Ime Adoka the one thing I really like about him and I was hesitant on this earlier on in the season but he just doesn't care and it's kind of refreshing, right? Because we're used to all these coaches, and, and actually Cora's not this way, and Bruce Cassidy, quite frankly, isn't either. It's basically just Bill, where they're not going to give you anything after these games. 
Ime Adoka just says whatever's on his mind. He doesn't care, which I kind of appreciate. I just didn't like earlier on in the season where it was every night he's calling out the players. That, to me, was like, all right, look, they're not playing well, but also you're the coach of the team. You should be taking some accountability. Like Bill always says, we got to coach better, we got to play better. But now the Celtics are playing better. It feels like whatever Ime Adoka said to those guys behind closed doors, and now a lot of it's tactical, too. And Brian Scalabrini was the first guy to point this out, at least that I heard. I usually disagree with a lot of stuff Scal says, but he made a really good point about what they're doing with Robert Williams. Is essentially what Ime Adoka has done. He made a small, not a small adjustment, a big adjustment, because they keep playing the two bigs at the same time, and it's working. I mean, the Celtics' starting lineup has the best net rating in the NBA, and if you're unfamiliar with that, basically take their offensive rating and their defensive rating and look at the margin. They have the best starting lineup in the NBA by net rating. Now, we'll see what happens in the postseason, and they may not even play that too big lineup. They may say, hey, let's put Derek White in the starting lineup, depending on what the matchup is. Now, if it's the Cavs, obviously you go with the two bigs based on they have Mobley and they have Jared Allen. But what Ime Adoka did is he decided to take Grant, well, or excuse me, Robert Williams off the big. So he has either Al or... We saw it the other night. It was Grant Williams was covering Embiid, right? And I know Robert Williams didn't play the other night, but he takes Al Horford to put him on the traditional big. He has Grant Williams hanging out with like a three-point shooter. And what happens there is now Grant Williams, who is, or excuse me, Robert Williams, sorry. Robert Williams, who is an elite shot blocker, he can come over from the weak side. And it's actually really helped the Celtics. And he's really getting into passing lanes and stuff along those lines. So I give him a lot of credit for that. And... From a tactical perspective, that has worked. And obviously, he's sending the right message to the guys. And they wanted him. Jalen Brown, or excuse me, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they were all for him. They played for him at, with the, what was that thing called? Not the Olympic team, the FIBA tournament, whatever the hell that was. They played for him during that, so they liked him. So I, I like the trends that the Celtics are going on, and I do like that it's kind of refreshing. It's the opposite of Bill Belichick. Bruce Cassidy is the same way as well, but it is refreshing that, he just says whatever the hell's on his mind. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but I would have liked him to get downhill. Can you imagine, Bill, if that was the case? Well, we got to coach it. We got to play it better. Ime Odoka's like, yeah, didn't love it. Would have liked him to get downhill. It's refreshing from the coach. All right, so any concerns about the Celtics as we get ready for the post All Star break? 617 779 7937 is the number. So a couple of big developments. One of them is this. Marcus Smart in his first 38 games of the season, and of course, he missed last night as well. He was taking 10.2 shots a game. He was shooting 39.3% from the field. So if you look at what he's done in the last 12 games, and by the way, he was at 11.6 points per game during that stretch. So since coming back from his injury, he is taking 8.3 shots per game. So almost two shots less per game. He's averaging 12 points. So he's shooting 48% from the field. So he's actually scoring more points now, I mean, barely, a half point more per game. But he's definitely been more efficient since coming back from the injury than he was prior. And he's sort of taken a back seat where, and I wonder, and this is just me wondering out loud, this team was playing well before Marcus Smart got back. And then when Marcus Smart got back, they took it to another level. So I do wonder if Smart being out for that time, if he kind of realized, well, I'm better off being a distributor. I'm better off being a guy that makes plays for other people than somebody that takes too many shots. I remember at the beginning of the season, he was complaining. We know that he's complained about shots before going back to the Orlando bubble because guys are mad about his shot selection. 
Then he, as Gary Washburn reported, he's throwing a trash barrel around. You get all these issues. And then you got Brad and Kemba and Tatum and Smart meeting into the wee hours of the night. And Hayward, like it was a disaster, right? Because Smart was upset. He thought that he was on the same level as these guys in terms of he should be getting the same amount of shots. And I do feel like part of the issue there was Brad. Brad is a great coach. And I know that people disagree with me on that, but he isn't. Look at his defenses. He had top five defenses in the NBA with Isaiah Thomas. I mean, that's very difficult to do considering what a liability that guy is from a defensive perspective. I'm not trying to criticize Isaiah and take shots. I'm just saying. And the reality is the reality. The guy's not a good defender. He's tiny, right? But the point being is one of the things I didn't like about Brad Stevens is I felt like his offense was sort of like Bernie Sanders. You get a shot. You get a shot. You get a, Everybody takes the same amount of shots. I mean, you look at that team that made it all the way to the conference finals. I get it. I'm complaining about a team that made it all the way to the conference finals. But they had in that postseason run, I believe, five guys that took double-digit shots a game. That's not how it should happen, right? You have two guys that take the majority of the shots and sometimes a third guy. Like, if you're the Warriors, it's Durant back in the day. Durant, Curry, and Klay Thompson, right? And then Draymond Green is way down there, probably taking about eight, nine shots a game. You look at the Celtics, that run, all these guys are taking a million shots. Not a million, but they were taking double digits. So my point is that with Brad, it felt like what happened there is you couldn't put the toothpaste back in the tube. You sort of created this culture where everybody was sort of on the same wavelength in terms of the amount of shots. So Smart felt empowered and entitled to take those shots. And now it feels like... When I take great shots, I'm a great shooter. Yeah, exactly. He is a great shooter when he takes great shots. I'll say that. Lately, when he's only taken 8.3 shots a game rather than 10.2 prior to the injury, I'd agree with him. Marcus, I agree with you. When you take the right shots, you are a great shooter. And well, he I'll is take streaky great shots, I'm a great shooter. He is streaky as hell, I'll say that. But I will say, the defensive intensity for Smart since he came back, it's been ramped up. He has been a better defender as of late than he was previous to the injury. And I was really questioning at the beginning of the season, like, has he lost some of his athleticism? But I do feel like smart, and I have to give Ime Adoka credit for this because it hasn't happened before now. Now, look, maybe when he comes back from the All-Star break after the ankle injury, which the Celtics said yesterday it's not serious, maybe he goes back and he reverts into the old Marcus Smart that wants to try to take over games. Maybe he does that. But as of right now, i got to give Ime Adoka credit because he's gotten Marcus Smart to basically be the best version of Marcus Smart. Play incredible defense and be a distributor on the offensive side of the ball. And that's what Marcus Smart has been doing as of late. And I also do wonder if he takes his game up another level, because you've seen the defensive intensity has been there, if he takes his game up a totally different level now that Derek White's in the equation, where now if you look at it, if you did want to alter your roster in the offseason, if you're Brad Stevens, you could look at moving Marcus Smart if you feel very confident about Derek White and you feel like you're going to get an upgrade over Marcus Smart. But right now, I'm just interested to see how this team looks when it gets into the postseason and if we get this version of Marcus Smart. Because this version of Marcus Smart is an incredibly effective player. It's just when Marcus Smart gets to that sort of irrational confidence level where he's trying to take over games, that's when you start to have an issue. But when he's doing all the little things and when he's making plays defensively and when he's not taking stupid shots... That's when Marcus Smart is at his best. And as of late, he has certainly been at his best. And I give Ime Adoka credit for that. And 
the maturation process of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, where Marcus Smart probably just looked at him and said, yeah, I kind of got to take a backseat to these guys because they're kind of turning into some of the best, especially in the case of Tatum, turning into some of the best wings in the NBA. So now that you have a roster where you feel like all these other teams in the East, with the exception of like Miami, it feels like in Milwaukee because Milwaukee's the reigning defending champ. Miami, of course, has a culture there and they have veterans in Lowry and Butler. But these other teams like Chicago's trying to figure it out because of the injury to Levine and that group of players, Levine, DeRozan, Levine's never played in the playoffs in general, but those guys have never gone into a playoff series together. You look at a team like Philly, they got to figure that Harden and beat thing out. They've never played before together. And we don't know what the Brooklyn situation is going to look like. And we don't know what the law is going to be in New York in terms of if Kyrie's going to be available to play in home games. As of now, he can't. But Durant's coming back from an injury. And then how does Ben Simmons fit into that mix? So those teams are asking question marks. I do feel like we know how the Celtics are going to play. They're going to play incredibly hard defensively. We kind of now have an idea of what they're going to look like offensively in terms of it being Tatum and Brown's team and Marcus Smart not hijacking the offense anymore. Derek White being sort of a ball mover, like the guy fit in seamlessly with this team. And Robert Williams doing what he does in terms of rolling to the basket, putbacks, cuts. I mean, it's ridiculous. You look at Robert Williams on the season in terms of his cutting ability. He's averaging on the year. 1.5 points per possession on cuts, 82% from the field. And it's a bunch of different stuff that Robert Williams is doing that's impacting not just the defensive side of the floor, but the offensive side of the floor as well. True shooting percentage, 73.8%, best in the NBA. 3.9 offensive rebounds per game, second in the NBA. 2.6 points per game on putbacks, seventh in the NBA. And that number I gave you on cuts, fourth in the NBA. So you know what he's going to do? And you know Grant Williams, (laughs) I can't believe it, because he's turned into one of the best corner three-point shooters in the league. In fact, the best in terms of this season on guys that have qualified and take enough attempts. He's the best corner shooter in the NBA. And now, last night, he starts busting out above the break threes as well. So it feels like everybody with this Celtics team right now, their roles are defined. And I felt like that was sort of the issue with the Brad Stevens era, is there was never a pecking order or a hierarchy, so to speak. So to speak, I should say. There was never that hierarchy with this team. And that's where I go back to all those guys getting a bunch of shots. When you look at this team, we kind of know Tatum's going to get the most shots. Jalen Brown's going to get the second. And then you figure out the rest from there. Grant, when you're open in the corner, you shoot. Robert Williams, when you're rolling, get ready for the lob. Marcus Smart, if you're open, shoot. But other than that, try to make plays. Same thing with Derek White. Yeah, it's not rocket science. Thank you, Brad. 617-779-7937 is the number. Let's get to Matt. He is in Rhode Island. Matt, what's up, man? Yeah, driving home, Barrett. First, let me just say, like, this station needs to, like, pay you and put you in a spot because, like, I don't know what some of these people are doing in sports radio, but, man, you can cook. It's like you're on late night, you're doing your thing. You're on weekends, you're doing your thing. It's all very enjoyable. To to me, it's sports radio. So good on you. I appreciate it, man. This whole thing is is great. I love watching the the Celtics. I I watch them when they're terrible. I, you know, say I'm never going to watch them again. This latest run, like you were just saying, the the, the fine roles have been, have been very refreshing to, to to watch them actually play NBA basketball. Now they played some downtrodden competition with people out and stuff, but this is the NBA right now, anyway. But listen, the whole thing, the whole season after the All Star break, in my in my in my opinion, depends on if Marcus Smart decides he wants to keep playing like he's playing. 
if he wants to regress and do Marcus Smart things like he has, the whole thing is the whole thing is up in smoke. If he wants to play like he's playing, like very efficiently, and, and I've been following Marcus Smart since he's been at Oklahoma State. I love Marcus Smart, but when he gets like you know off on one of his one of his, one of his things, you know he, he's not great. But you know that's the whole thing. It's 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 exciting though. I'll tell you, like they they have a talent where I'm looking at the Eastern Conference and like if Brooklyn can can gel, then they're you know obviously they're number one. But other than that, like I'm not too worried about any of them to be honest with you. So. You know, it's exciting, but hey, do your thing. I love you. love your shows. Later. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate the phone call, man. His line's open if you'd like to grab it at 617-779-7937. I do feel like, to Matt's point, that is the biggest difference with this team than I felt last year. And look, last year, those guys were a year younger. Jalen gets injured before the postseason. I understand all that. Kemba, like, it was choppy last year in Brad's defense because Kemba was dealing with an injury. And really, I felt like at times... And I'm not saying this is Kemba's fault, but it was unfair to Tatum, who's out there every night. Tatum's like an Iron Man in the NBA. That guy does not miss games. Unless he has COVID, Tatum does not miss games. He is an Iron Man. He's going out there every night. And going into last season, it was supposed to be Tatum and Kemba's team. It eventually became Tatum and Jalen's team. But it's got to be awfully aggravating when you're duo, if you will, your partner in crime, your sidekick in Kemba Walker is like rarely available. So I feel like Brad was in a bad position in terms of juggling the roster, who was available, who was not available. But one thing Brad never did compare it to Ime Adoka, and maybe it's not Ime Adoka, maybe it naturally happened in the locker room, but I'd like to think the coach had something to do with it, is Marcus Smart's role is finally defined. And I get it. It's 12 games. He may go back to being the guy that chucks up threes way more than we'd like to see. But as of right now, I like the player we're seeing in Marcus Smart. And the other thing I would say is you go back to 14, and it's going to be difficult to accept this, right? So Marcus Smart's drafted in 2014 by Danny Ainge, and basically he's with Brad Stevens his whole career. And I believe Smart was what? He was the seventh pick this year. It was him and Randall like right there in 14. Remember, that was the Wiggins draft, and Wiggins actually made the All-Star team. He never should have, but Wiggins made the All-Star team. You had... Embiid went third in that draft. He was the best player. Jabari Bar- uh, Jabari Parker had a nice rookie season and never was the same after the injuries. But nonetheless, so you had Smart, and he was here in 14. Jalen doesn't come here until twenty or till 2016, right, when Jalen was the third overall pick. And then Jason Tatum, of course, the next year, he would have been the number one pick if the Celtics couldn't trade that pick. They did end up trading that pick. They moved back to third. They get an extra asset, and, of course, they use the pick on Tatum, and the Sixers take... Markel Fultz. But think about this. Marcus Smart was a lottery pick. Marcus Smart, there was consideration that if he had put his name in the 13 draft, remember the 13 draft, now it ends up being known as the honest draft. But what do you want, 15th or something along those lines? Like Milwaukee took a shot on that guy. That was a weird draft. Victor Oladipo was the number two pick. And who the hell? Anthony Bennett. That dude went number one. So if Smart came out that year, there was a lot of momentum that he could have possibly been the number one pick. Now, he probably wouldn't have been, but he would have been higher than he went the following season. Remember, he has that controversy where he hits the fan and all that. But think about where Smart was at. He was a highly touted recruit, and he was supposed to be a star at Oklahoma State, which he was. But he's supposed to be a star in the NBA as well. And it must have been tough to adjust to – you bring in all this star power, right? You have Kyrie, you have Gordon Hayward, all these different guys. And then you have these young guys that have kind of are in a position where they're going to leapfrog you. And that is going to be awfully difficult to accept. So I hope that he's finally accepted it because 
this is like a guy, the way that he's playing right now, smart, this is the type of player that any team going into the postseason would want on their team because he does all the little things and he defends at a high level. Like, to a lesser extent, think about what P.J. Tucker meant to the Bucks last year. I know that Kevin Durant averaged, like, 30-something points in that series against Milwaukee, but he made him work for every one. And Durant's, like, incredibly difficult to guard, but he knew exactly what his role was, P.J. Tucker. I need to defend the other team's best perimeter player, and I have to stay out here in the corner and hit threes. And even when those Rockets teams were making runs, remember the Rockets, they had the Golden State Warriors beat. And that was with Kevin Durant. They had that team beat before Chris Paul went down. I was living in Houston at the time. It was crazy. But when Chris Paul went down with that hamstring injury, they had those Warriors beat. And P.J. Tucker was a big part of that series, too, because he was covering Durant. And he knew what he needed to do offensively, just stay in the corner. And look, I'm not saying Smart's the exact type of player. Smart, you don't want him sitting in the corner and just shooting threes. You want Marcus Smart making plays and distributing. But from a defensive perspective, being that guy that can be a stopper out on the perimeter. Those guys are incredibly important when it comes to the postseason. And it feels like, now, I mean, think back to the 08 team when you could bring a guy off the bench like Tony Allen that could play elite defense. Not to say that Smart's going to be coming off the bench or anything along those lines, but just if you know what your role is and you embrace that, and Smart seems to be doing that as of late, it's one of those things that could help this team make a run. And to Matt's other point about the Eastern Conference, we got into this briefly last night, but the two teams that scare me the most, it's... Not Brooklyn, and it's not Philly right now. Now, Durant obviously would scare me because he can't. It's guys impossible to cover. But I don't know about the Kyrie situation. Like, if the Celtics play three games there and they don't have Kyrie, I mean, you have a major advantage. And who the hell knows what's going to happen with Simmons. But the two teams, and I know Milwaukee lost tonight, but by Miami is incredibly scary because we've seen that team in the postseason before. And now you add a champion to that group in Kyle Lowry. Bam Adebayo, as of late, is like, Fringy getting himself, I don't want to say fringy getting himself into, that doesn't make sense, but he's getting himself into the defensive player of the year conversation. We know they have all these shooters, and we know they're going to dial up the defense with Butler and with Lowry. And Lowry's just a pain in the ass to play. So when I look at it, I would not, that's the last team, seriously, that is the last team I want the Celtics to play in a postseason series. Like, depending, the first round matchup, I want no part of Miami. No part of that team whatsoever. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. Oh, I do want to get to this. Some suggestions. The Celtics have roster spots that are open. Some ideas in terms of guys they could go after on the buyout market. We'll do that next year on EEI. All right, so now the question becomes, who do the Celtics add? on the buyout market. A lot of names being thrown around, so I'm going to rule out a couple right off the top. Robin Lopez makes no sense for the Celtics. They have Al Horford, they have Robert Williams, they have Daniel Tice, and at times you can play Grant Williams at the center if you really want him. Literally, and this is this is my biggest irritation the other night with Jim Jackson, the guy that was calling the game for TNT when the Celtics throttled the Sixers. He kept saying that the Celtics needed to add a big, like when... He was getting teed up by Ian Eagle about what are the Celtics going to add in the buyout market. He kept saying they need to add more size. Really? They need anything but a big. They need. They could use another wing. They could use another guard. But anything but a big. I don't Robin know what Lopez. the hell. Oh, God. Robin Lopez. Scout now. No part of Robin. He's a fine player, but you don't need him. Why would you, put a, why would you use a roster spot on a guy that you don't need? So I'm ruling him out. 
Next guy I'm ruling out is no Celtics fan wants this guy anyway. Eric Bloodsoe. No. By the way, he's still got $3.9 million on his contract next year. So I, I don't know how that's going to work as it pertains to the buyout market. But that guy, we've seen him. He's a puddle in the postseason. In fact, Milwaukee, finally, when they traded him, they get Drew Holiday. And four, I mean, not saying that was the trade. There was four first-round picks, I believe. Two picks and, like, pick swaps, whatever it was. I think it was four total and one pick swap, whatever it was. They gave up, like, all their picks for Drew Holiday. They finally got Eric Bledsoe out of town. They won a championship. So I'm ruling him out. So here are the two guys I am interested in. So I'll give you my number two target first. My number two target would be Goran Dragic. Now, the problem is Dragic is going to be getting a lot of attention. He could go back to his old stomping grounds in Miami. He could go to Dallas and play with Luka. They're both, of course, from Slovenia. So there is that connection there. Heck, the Lakers could use a guy like that. Although, I don't know why the hell you want to go to the Lakers right now. But he's played in five games this year just because him and they said personal reasons, but him and the Raptors kind of had an agreement that he wasn't going to play. But he's now with the Spurs. San Antonio is going to buy him out. Last year, 26.7 minutes per game. 13.4 points, uh, 43% from the field, not great. He did shoot 37% from three, 25.9% assist rate. So he is a playmaker. I mean, the Celtics, in terms of their best guy in an assist rate, it's Marcus Smart at 23.6. So he is somebody, especially when you're heading down the end of the season, he's somebody that can create offense. He can play in the pick and roll, though he was not great in the pick and roll last year. Two years ago was pretty good, but... We saw what he did in that playoff series to the Celtics, really destroyed them in the pick and roll. I just feel like if you need, if you want another guy that can make plays, and you maybe you don't even use him that much in the postseason because he's not a great defender, but he is somebody that can score. He's somebody that can create offense for other people. It would make sense to add him down the stretch of the season, considering you don't have a lot of bodies right now. Now, the other guy in the number one target, and I feel like the problem is this is going to be very competitive for this player's services, it's Gary Harris. Now, the one thing that's kind of throwing me off about this Harris situation, and quite frankly, I don't comprehend it, he's playing 30 minutes a night. So Orlando is trying to get another piece to the puzzle there with they got Wagner in the draft who's been really good. Suggs has been disappointing for them, and he's just not a great athlete for an NBA player. I thought he was going to be a lot better coming out of the collegiate level. Maybe I got caught up in his run in the NCAA tournament, made it all the way to the national championship, of course, hit that buzzer beater, but they passed on Scotty Barnes for him. That looks like a really big mistake. He's just, he doesn't have great NBA twitch. He's not very fast, but Wagner definitely hit for them. And you would think, okay, we want to get one of the worst three records in the NBA so we can get one of the big three in this upcoming draft. So why is Harris playing 30 minutes a game? He's adding to winning. Now, Harris is interesting because he essentially lost his shot for two years. He had a ton of injuries in Denver, and eventually they moved on from him. Remember, he was part of that trade that sent Aaron Gordon to Denver last year. Now, Denver could look to bring him back, although Denver right now, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. Jamal Murray still coming back from the ACL. You have Porter, who was dealing with a back issue and same issues from the collegiate level that he's had. So they could try to go after him. I don't know if you're Gary Harris, would you want to go back there, right? But if you look at him on the season, 44% from the field, 38% from three. But here's the thing. He's really turned it on since December. So the past two and a half months, he's shooting 50.5% on corner threes. And since December, he's shooting 41.3% on threes in general, 
on 5.8 a game. So it's on volume. The only thing, as I said, playing 31.7 minutes per game. That, to me, is perplexing. But he's basically found his shot again. He's six foot four, 210 pounds, so he has been a good defender throughout his career. It feels like that's the perfect type of player to fit with the Celtics because he's another guy that can hit open jump shots and he can defend, and he kind of goes with this team that we've seen is very switchable, especially when they have smart, white, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum on the court with Robert Williams. That unit, so to speak, becomes incredibly switchable one through four, and even one through five, the way that Robert Williams plays defense. So the guy's blocking three-point shots lately, right? So when you look at it from that perspective, it feels like that would be the perfect case to bring in a guy like Gary Harris. Like, that's the perfect fit on this team. Now, like I said, the big question about that is, if you're Milwaukee, you need another guy like that. And Milwaukee, of course, is perceived to be one of the favorites as the reigning defending champs to win the championship again. Milwaukee might press hard. Heck, Philadelphia may press hard to get another win because if you look at Philadelphia's perimeter uh, defense right now, outside of Thibault, they do not have good perimeter defenders. Heck, Brooklyn may push for a guy like Gary Harris to get another defender and a shooter considering, now I know they brought in Seth Curry, but a shooter with size because they did lose Joe Harris and it doesn't appear that he's coming back. So this would be somebody that you would have to recruit. So that's where you would have to have Tatum and Brown maybe calling up Gary Harris. And I do feel like if the Celtics got Gary Harris, that would be a major win. Not like for the to change and alter the perception of free agency with the team. I'm just talking about for this current team. If they get Gary Harris over all these other teams that are contenders and are looking at Gary Harris as a guy that can really help them in a stretch run and in a postseason series, it'd be a major win for Brad Stevens and company if they can pull it off. So there it is. Gary Harris to the Celtics. Do it. Figure it out. All right, thanks to Matt for producing tonight. I will be back with you tomorrow. Actually, I'll be in with Mud at 8, and then I'll be on here till midnight. Have a great night, everybody. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.